the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The power over his creation to take simple water and turn it into wine. An indication of what God is really capable of with his creation. Next on Truth For Today. Yesterday, we began a series called The Life Changer. These are just studies in John in no particular chronological order. We're looking at the divine change maker today, John chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. And again, we're focusing in on water being turned into wine and what it specifically means for you and I. The significance of this miracle is some 2,000 years later still more significant than ever. Let's catch up with our teacher and pastor, Phil Howard, for today's broadcast of Truth For Today. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will let you hear my words. So I went down to the potter's house, and there he was working at his wheel. And the vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand. And he reworked it into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to do. Then the word of the Lord came to me, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter has done, declares the Lord. Behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so you are in my hand, O house of Israel. And he goes on to tell them, I tried to mold you and to shape you into something usable and honorable, but you wouldn't listen to me. And I've had to break you down. When that clay gets on that wheel, when there gets some kind of a stone or unyielding, maybe not enough water in the clay, whatever, a lump that won't yield, something going on, what does that potter do? When it won't yield, you keep trying to get it, boom, you break down the clay. You put it right back down on that wheel. We'll start over. Israel, in my hands you fell apart. In my hands you didn't yield to what I, I, I've had to break you down and I'm going to make you over because you wouldn't yield to the potter's hands. And so the nation refused to be changed and they go far far from God. Look at what Romans 9 says. Romans 9. Look there. He talks about God's sovereignty, that he has mercy on whom he will have mercy. And you hear 9.19. You will say to me then, why does he still find fault? For who can resist his will? But who are you, O man, to answer back to God? Will what is molded say to its molder, Why have you made me like this? Has the potter no right over the clay 
to make out of the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for dishonorable use. Listen to that. The same quality of clay, but two different kinds of vessels. Honorable, dishonorable. What if God, desiring to show his wrath and to make known his power, has endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction? in order to make known the riches of his glory for vessels of mercy which he has prepared beforehand for glory. Even us whom he has called, not from the Jews only, but also from the Gentiles. There's only two kinds of, really one kind of clay and two destinies. One person that you grew up with as flesh of flesh as you, as weak, smart, good-looking, whatever, just human, humanity. And God takes the clay, and he shapes it. And he said, one is fitted for eternal destruction. And the other winds up eternally with God. One is a vessel of wrath, that resists the potter's hand, that winds up being fitted for destruction. And over here is another vessel, a vessel of mercy. Its end design is a result of the merciful intent of the creator potter. I want you to know, none of us are any better humanity than those who are not with us. There's no better clay in the room the difference is the potter. Your humanity is as bad as anyone else's. Your quality of humanity is as desperately in need of God as any other's. It was the fact God was willing to get involved in your life and make something out of you that you could have never been on your own. You see, he takes the clay and he can shape you mold you, and even determine your eternal destiny. And he says to humanity, don't tell the potter what he can do with the clay. I ask you, what has he done with your life? Why aren't you being destroyed today? Why doesn't he give up on you? Why does he turn us preachers into beggars begging you to come to Christ. And you still won't let the potter get his hands on you for good. And so you will be fitted for destruction. And this is the theme he carries over to Romans 12. Because God has been merciful and you become a vessel of honor because of mercy's designs, why don't you serve him with everything you've got? One of our precious men was sharing our deacon and elder meeting how someone was sharing with them, I don't know that I can be 100% for God. I don't, you know, that's a little too carried away. You know, he might make a missionary out of me. Well, probably a lot more than what you are now. There's no such thing as 50-50 for God. All he wants is all of you. And if he gets all of you, believe me, honey, he hadn't got a whole lot. Get over it. Listen to the Eagles play that song. Get over it. Get over it. Quit looking in the mirror. 
Man's problem is he's stuck on himself. Someone said he's nothing but dirt stuck on himself. He's a mud pie. And he's trying to play God and making a mess out of creation. But the potter, the difference is some of you, you know when his hands got on you. And he said, I've got a merciful design for you. I'm not going to give you what you deserve. I want to give mercy. Let's keep going. Uh, look at Second Timothy. When he talks about, I understand it to be the household of faith, but it scares me what he says. But look at Second Timothy chapter 2. He's talking to the young pastor at Ephesus who has struggled with timidity and uh, uh, different pastoral problems. And, and he's telling the young man, don't, don't be discouraged. Don't let false teachers get you off track like Hymenaeus and Philetus. Don't be distracted, Timothy. Uh, don't get caught up in vain debates and endless discussions. And so he, he's talking to his son in the faith. Don't watch yourself. Take care of yourself. And then he, he makes this marvelous uh, illustration, verse 20. Now, in a great house... There are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some for honorable use, some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, Useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. What is he saying? I, I understand the household here to be the household of faith. And that's what scares me, that there's actually could be people in the household of faith that their only use is dishonorable. I mean, that, that's what my trouble. I, I wish he would say the household of humanity, and then I would say, well, the dishonorable are unbelievers, but... I'm not sure that's what he's saying. It seems to be the household of faith. I'm willing to be corrected, but that's what it, he's saying. In the household of faith, uh, cleanse yourself. Don't get caught up with these heretical teachers. Don't get caught up with all this, the riffraff that goes on in church life. In every church, you've got a murmuring crowd. They'll always murmur about something. In every church, you got people practicing sin that nobody knows about. And uh, sometimes you're on the board, sometimes you're in the choir, sometimes you're in the pulpit. And uh, they're, they're living in sin. Nobody knows. And they, they shine for a little while, and all of a sudden we hear a big fall. But he's telling Timothy, in this big house, and one of the most common things I know of is vessels of dishonor, were normally five-gallon uh, vessels, usually made of clay. They'd last about a month. It's pretty cheap. And uh, what you did, if I went to your house and you washed my feet, you wouldn't take that water that you'd washed my feet and just throw it out. Since water was such a precious commodity, they would take that excess water from washing the feet, and they would pour it in this vessel of dishonor. And they'd collect that water, and out of that water, they'd water their plants and things that they could use that water for. 
and, but this was considered the vessel of dishonor, uh, almost like a chamber pot uh, when you don't have plumbing. Uh, we've got to have a vessel that we use for dishonorable usage, but it has a use. And these vessels would last about a month. Slime would form in it. The, the, the uh, ostraca would begin to break, and cracks would develop in it. And so every month you'd have to replace these vessels. But it was a vessel of dishonor. But, but he says, there's vessels of silver and gold. Now, you don't throw your wastewater in silver and gold. Uh, if you have guests, you serve them in the best vessels you have. If you've got silver, use that. Gold, use that. And so he says, hey, there's two kinds of vessels in the household. Then he says to Timothy, Timothy, if you're willing to get clean, if you're willing to separate yourself from the riffraff, the soiling effects of this world, if you'll flee, he says right after this verse, flee immorality. See, in the context, he's saying, flee sin lest it dirties you so God can't use you for honorable use. You see, you can see all the pornography you want and still be a child of God. God's just not going to use you. Because God's got to work on you before he can work through you. You can be a gossip and a murmur and a negative. Oh, ever. We got them in this church. Always had them. They've got them in every church. They had them in the wilderness journey. They wanted to kill Moses. They didn't like what they were doing. They didn't like where they were going. Always got an opinion. Got an opinion. Got an opinion. I want to ask, what is God doing with you? Besides critiquing leadership. Don't you have more to do, honey? I'll tell the story about the man that told me one time. He's getting ready to leave the church. And he was upset over something. Uh, you know, I don't think God's using you anymore, Pastor. I said, well, uh, how long have I been your pastor? And he told me how many years. I said, the issue in your life is not whether God's using me. It's when is he going to use you? Is God using you? Is he using you for anything honorable? If someone needs encouragement, would he use you? If someone needed their hands lifted up, would he use you? If somebody needed mercy, could he use you? If somebody needed a word from God, could he use you? Are you clean enough for the Spirit of God to give pure water? I don't want, I don't mind drinking milk out of a fruit jar, but it better be washed. I just wanted to be clean. I don't care about how fancy it is. And when God's going to meet my need, he doesn't send me a dirty brother. And he won't send a dirty sister. Because in this household, Timothy, you've got to make a choice. Are you going to stay clean so you're fit for the master's use? And that's exactly what I saw him doing in my own youth. Going through Helms and Richmond. You know what all the tests was? My whole life in those teen years was cutting me away from this influence. Cutting me away from this. I like to run with these guys. You've got to leave them. I like to do this. You've got to give it up. Uh, I like rhythm and blues. Come on. Don't take that. That's where I bought a, my daddy got me a guitar. I want to play like little Willie John. And then when I got right, I gave him to Jim Snyder, made a soul singer out of him. Because <laughs> I loved that music. I love this. I love that. And, and it seemed like, God, when are you going to quit pruning? Is there anything I can do as a teenager that won't offend you? And he kept saying, I'm setting you apart to put 
pure water. I'm going to use you to be poured out on your generation. And I'm cleaning, cleaning you up. I'm getting you away from that which would defile you. And my old daddy said, you can't handle skunks without smelling like them. And I want you to quit running with skunks. I'm setting you apart. I'm setting you apart. But it gets lonely. I'll force you to run with me. I'll force you to run with me. I'd rather be a vessel of honor in the potter's hand than to partake of all the carrion of this world. It just dirties, soils, and James says, keep yourself unspotted from the world that God may use you as a virgin bride. You see, when you get engaged, you can't flirt anymore with any other man. And some of you need to quit flirting with the world. I thought you were engaged. I thought Christ was the love of your life. Why in the world do you flirt with this world? Is God using you? He says it over and over. Then, look at 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 4, Paul said, because the Corinthians really were hard on Paul. They called him ugly, uh, short, non-eloquent. This church, uh, there was a despicable crowd there that did not like Paul, and uh, they were rough on him. Uh, I've never done Second Corinthians because it's the wailing, it's the wailing song of a minister that a church despises, and I've never had the courage to preach it. It's full of uh, great truths, but it's the most pathetic ministerial epistle because Paul is beat to a pulp. But verse 7, but we have this treasure. And he's talking about the gospel. In jars of clay. To show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. What is he saying? We're just containers of a glorious gospel. And that uh, don't, don't exult over men. Men are frail. We're passing vessels. Uh, different degrees of strength, different degrees of abilities. But Paul said... The treasure that I hold is what I want you to see, not the container it's in. You're just a container. The treasure is Christ. The treasure is the gospel. So let us not be about men. Let us not be admiring men so much. Let's say this treasure gets sweeter, more precious, more valuable as the years go by. This, we're containers of the treasure and so, he uh, is telling us, I've come as the master transformer. I can turn water to wine. And I want to tell you, as I begin my messianic ministry, I'm here to change lives. I'm here to take them from the emptiness, the ruin. I've come to bring the joy back. 
I've come to bring the party of salvation. I've come to invite them to the messianic festival that will be held for a thousand years as the bride celebrates with the groom. As I uh, was thinking about this message, out of nowhere, uh, the great poem by Myra Welch came to my mind. Myra Welch was a woman who had arthritis so bad uh, she was a poetry writer that she, uh, to type her poetry, she took two pencils and used the eraser endings to type with, to type it out. She was at a meeting and uh, someone said something that inspired her and she uh, sat down in 30 minutes, typed out uh, this famous classic uh, poem that uh, I feel embarrassed even sharing it with you, but I'm convinced many young people have never heard it. It goes this way. "'Twas battered and scarred, and the auctioneer thought it scarcely worth his while to waste much time on the old violin, but held it up with a smile. "'What am I bidding, good folks?' he cried." Who'll start the bidding for me? A dollar, a dollar, then two, only two, two dollars, and who'll make it three? Three dollars once, three dollars twice, going for three, but no. From the room far back, a gray-haired man came forward and picked up the bow. Then wiping the dust from the old violin and tightening the loose strings, he played a melody pure and sweet as a caroling angel sings. The music ceased, and the auctioneer, with a voice that was quiet and low, said, What am I bid for the old violin? And he held it up with the bow. A thousand dollars, and who'll make it two? Two thousand, and who'll make it three? Three thousand once, three thousand twice, and going and gone, said he. The people cheered, but some of them cried. We do not quite understand what changed its worth. Swift came the reply. The touch of a master's hand. And many a man with life out of tune and battered and scarred with sin is auctioned cheap to the thoughtless crowd, much like the old violin. A mess of pottage, a glass of wine, a game, and he travels on. He is going once and going twice. He's going and almost gone. But the master comes, and the foolish crowd never can quite understand the worth of a soul and the change that's wrought by the touch of the master's hand. I'm here to say if Jesus can turn water to wine, he can turn the wastewater of this world that's filled your life all of these years, full of sin, full of immorality, full of drugs, full of one sin after another, whatever you've been containing all these years, he's wanting to speak to your life and say, I want to get rid of the wastewater and put new wine in you. I'm going to fill you with my spirit. I'm going to forgive you of your sins, for I'm the master. And if I can just but touch your life, you're going to become a container of eternal life. No longer the old life, the old life with nothing. 
I'm going to change you and transform you into something you could have never dreamed of. And we are here as witnesses. He did it for us. May you become a vessel, a vessel of mercy. Well, as we come to the close of our time today, here on Truth For Today, we would leave you with our address and phone number in the event you'd like to reach out to us. Maybe you have a question about today's program, a question about your own relationship with Christ. Maybe you'd like to review today's message or any past message here on Truth For Today. Reach out to us at truthfortodayradio.org online or call. The phone number is 855 833-9864. That's 855-833-9864. One other thought to consider as we conclude our time together today, we know that the challenging times we live in make for rather challenging growth opportunities in Christ. And if this broadcast is helping you in your walk and relationship with Christ, would you consider partnering with us financially and prayerfully? Again, these are very challenging times since ministries all over the world are actually suffering, and they are being challenged as to how to continue ministering the gospel of Christ. And truth for today is no different. If you consider this broadcast a blessing to you, would you consider being a blessing to us? 100% of your donation is tax deductible, and it goes right back into the radio ministry, whether it's a one-time gift, a monthly gift small or large, it all makes a huge difference. And your prayers and requests to the Lord about the continuation of Truth For Today are even more appreciated. Reach out to us at truthfortodayradio.org or, again, call 855-833-9864. Or you can write out a check and address your envelope to 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. Thank you for joining us today. Until next time, may Christ be your truth for today. Today.